Hello and welcome to the Soulful of It podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Raquel, and today I'm joined by Uni and special guest Julia as we dive into the transits and tarot for October of 2020. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to go give us a five-star rating on iTunes and share it out with your networks. Okay, let's jump into it. Hello, you two. I'm so stoked to have you both here today. Hi. Hi. So good to be back. So this is a little different format for us. I mean, we're there's still three of us, but Andreas isn't present. So we want to start our announcements off by wishing him well. He's moved on to other endeavors. He's still doing his DJ Aloso on SoundCloud, which is really awesome. Everybody should check that out. Mm-hmm. Well, we wish you well on the rest of your beautiful journey. Sending you love. Such a three of wands energy. Yeah, mm. such a three of wands energy, which we're going to get to in this episode. And Julia, to welcome you to the podcast. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. We are both big fans. Seriously. Wow. Wow. It's, yeah, it's a big deal. I'm so. flattered. I'm flattered that you said yes. Aww. I knew your name before I even know who you were. Wow. That's not creepy. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, you need to know her. <laughs> Wow. It's, it's true, actually. I had more than one person tell me that I needed to know you. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible reputation. Yeah. I mean, exactly. What else could you ask for? Now you just have to live up to it. Oh. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so starting off with our new guest. Yes, Julia's here. Andreas, we love you so much. We know that you're out there doing awesome things, and we're going to always be supporting you. And maybe you'll come back for another episode later on. Hopefully. And the next announcement that we have is that we wanted to acknowledge the lifetime work of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was the second woman ever to be appointed to the Supreme Court. And I believe that there were only four women that have Mm. ever been on the Supreme Court. Wow. Which is like fucked up. Yeah, it's absurd. The fact that we even have such small amount of justices for that court is ridiculous. The fact that we have a court deciding if people live or die is ridiculous. Amen. Snap. Mm -mm. Living up to the reputation already. (laughs) Throwing out all the love to the notorious. We love you. Your work will carry on. Your legacy is forever. And I'm not going to start crying when I talk about you. So I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Next up, I wanted to announce that, y'all, the election is coming up hot. If you are in the United States of America and you can vote, please go register to vote. Your vote matters. Your voice matters. Yes, the Electoral College is fucked up. And politics are corrupt, but still, the only way to change the system is to engage with the system. We have to play the game in order to change the game. So please register to vote if you can. If you're outside of the country listening, I love that. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Go bother all your friends that are in the States. Bother them. Ask them if they're registered to vote. This is a huge, huge deal. We're talking about a Supreme Court nomination. It is also the Senate. It's a very, very big election. Hmm. Let's make her proud. Mm. Ugh, so yes. true. And then readings. Uni, you're doing virtual readings. Yes, I'm doing virtual readings at my new page, Aquarian Sage at Instagram. I'm also doing monthly videos where we go into a deeper dive on the cards that we pick for the podcast, available in four languages, Spanish, English, French, and German. And more future projects to come. If you want a reading or just want to reach out, feel free to hit me up right there. And Julia, you're also doing readings, but Uni's is tarot and Julia's is astrology. Correct. Yes. I only speak one language. 
astrology is another astrology. language. Okay, I speak two languages. <laughs> speak and sarcasm, I feel like that counts, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> we got, we're the, everybody's multilingual here because I have a dirty mouth and I think that counts. <laughs> I speak sarcasm. It's true. Um, yeah, I give astrology readings and I also have an astro coaching program that you can head on over to my Instagram at thejbray to find out more about that offering. Lovely. She's also an actress, right? It's true. I'm in a one-person show that I just finished. It's incredible. Mm. You can still get the link if you're lucky. Head on over to that Instagram. Grab it. Pay for some tickets. Yeah. Yes, that's the beauty of switching to this very virtual world. Yeah, live streaming was a real trip. Yeah, you can relive it again and again, but I just got to say you totally crushed it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Support your local artists. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Especially live streaming theater. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. (laughs) And then we have some quick birthday announcements. Tamo, I wish you a very happy birthday on the 1st of October. Freedom from episode 28, girl. It's your birthday on the 13th. Happy birthday, my mom. Happy birthday, mom. I know you're listening. (laughs) My number (laughs) one fan. Your birthday's on the 22nd. Happy birthday. And then last, I wanted to give a shout out to myself and my boyfriend, Dave, because it's our anniversary on the 26th. How long? Seven years. Whoa. I know, right? Wow. Where is commitment in your chart? Because it doesn't grace me like that. (laughs) You know, I have all that Sagittarius energy. I should be running from everybody. Yeah. But I did run from everybody for 21 years. And Dave is my first and only boyfriend. Okay. Well, if it works. Yeah. You know? He's the lion. She's the lamb. Mm. It's true. Strength. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's strength energy, which is, of course, my birth card. And then Dave's birth card is the star. And they share Mm. Uh, birth energy. And then human design. Oh, we could go down this rabbit hole real quick and spend the entire day there. But I love you, Dave. I think I'll keep you around forever. Mm. And then our last announcement for October is the Affirmation Destination Focus which is acceptance. We've defined this as practicing acceptance as an opportunity to expand self-awareness and learn other perspectives, knowing that all endings are beginnings and control is merely an illusion. That could not segue us better into what tarot cards uni pulled for the month of October. Yes, that is very true. So looking at the energy of what is here right now, I drew the world. The world, when you look at the card, it has the images of the faces of a man, an eagle, a bull, and a lion, which are representative of the fixed signs of astrology. And in the middle, you see this character with these two wands in her hand or their hand. And when I look at it, it really makes me think of like winning the jackpot at the casino. And it's like got this really good feel-good energy. But ultimately, it's about being able to come into this completion stage In ancient Egypt, it's actually known as the adept, and it's about how when we've come through the soul evolution at this process, now we reach the point where we have to really look at what is there and see how we've been distracting, how we've been projecting, and how is it that we're going to dive in to create more of this connection to our psychic self and to the other side in a more energetically receptive tone. The challenge to that for us has to do with the Three of Pentacles. And the Three of Pentacles really is an invitation for us 
to share skills with others, to collaborate, to have this synergistic energy. The car traditionally has these people coming to help this architect as he's building together this most beautiful archway. And it's really representative of how we can cultivate the soul work within in order to be able to elevate. For the third card, we have the Empress, and the Empress is here to really support us in this process. And when we pair her along with the world, it's a deep invitation to pull our head out of our asses and look at the work that we need to be doing. And are we really doing it? And how can we reclaim that work as a personal reclamation of what it is to take back our lives for ourselves in the healing process? And how do we nurture that? Traditionally, the picture has a woman sitting on a throne. It's supposed to be Mother Nature or just a feminine aspect. And she's got a crown of roses and just beautiful landscapes all around. For our card of what we need to be paying attention to, we have the Ten of Swords. The Ten of Swords is a really big call out to examine how it is that our mental patterns are framing the way we're looking at the world. It's pretty offensive looking. It's got a dead person with ten swords on their back and really dark colors in the background. And it's really an invitation to put those aspects of yourself to rest. There's pieces of you victimizing yourself, robbing yourself, creating all this unnecessary stress by losing yourself in the mental energy of trying to make sense of things in your own limited scope without trusting in the bigger aspects that are here. And... The soulful guidance that we have here on the subconscious level is death, which is really an invitation for us to surrender ourselves over to these larger forces and through them be transformed. The death card traditionally has this character of death walking up to a pulp and he's carrying a flag with a white flower. It's an invitation to really remember that there are forces in life that we cannot control and the more that we can bow over to that, the more transformative energy we allow into our lives. And lastly, we have the Three of Wands, which on the card, it depicts a character looking over the horizon with three wands in the background. And this is really us being on this expansive journey and ready to move forward. We cannot turn back. And now it's our chance to look to the horizon and reach for something bigger. Stop playing small and go out there into the world and discover so we can move into the stability of the fours. Mm, incredible all resonate with me so much especially where you're like the ten of swords is well it's kind of a scary looking card definitely it's one of those cards when you get it when you haven't learned much about it especially you're like oh wow so i'm gonna be stabbed in the back 10 times (laughs) like (laughs) count me out i'm good (laughs) i also love that as we're entering into the fall energy towards scorpio season we're looking at the world and death as this like life review and this Mm. surrender to what is here for us in this next passage Mm, love that yeah there's an amazing bridge between endings and beginnings Mm -hmm. here especially also with the empress too because the empress is also Mm. known so much as this like card of birth this card of newness coming to life through you of nature coming through you and We are in the Northern Hemisphere. We're going into fall. So things are dying. But like what part of you is living Mm. through that Mm. or being reborn? Yeah. There's also a really big invitation. And as we'll see in the astrology to really acknowledge what has died and to sit with what has died. And that's a process of letting go is that acknowledgement giving ourselves space to grieve what is gone and what is leaving to make room for that new beginning we're talking about. I love that. So good. Thank you. Mm. So we're going to weave these 
tarot cards into the transits as we speak about each of them. And the first one that we're going to kick this episode off with is on the 1st of October, we have our Aries full moon and the full moon conjunct Chiron in Aries. This is going to be highlighting a lot of invitations around healing of the self. And the questions that I have for you guys to consider are what have you healed this year? What have you already healed? What are you in the midst of healing? How can you honor what has already been healed and what you're already in the process of healing? And it makes me think about how I've seen so many times posted online, people talking about healing not being linear. We can see that and still not live it. So I think with this full moon, we're going to be really be thinking about how can we live the reality that healing isn't linear, that healing is not a comparable experience, that we can't be healing and see somebody else healing and expect them to look the same. They're not going to look the same and they shouldn't look the same. Mm-hmm. And it's not our business or our job to try and force them to look the same. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That reminds me of the relationship of healing to time and thinking about this full moon as an observational space to honor the time it takes to heal something. I think about Chiron as a key that opens a door to a room full of your deepest wounds and through being in communion with those wounds and loving them and noticing them, we come to our deepest healing. And this full moon reminds me of deepening our belief that we're supported, that there is a certain amount of faith required in healing, that we have to remember that going back to time, it's going to take us time, especially since Aries is such a active forceful, agitated, aggressive, powerful energy. It wants to move very quickly. And yet a lot of this moon is in conversation with Capricorn elements. And Capricorn is about stability and time and the safety, right? So our bodies need to feel safe in order to actually heal, to actually integrate. And so that also brings me to this question around this full moon of what are the boundaries that I might need to set around my wounds, around my healing that can help me to actually hold more profound space and compassion for that which I'm moving through that is maybe painful in my life. Mm. And we also have Mars in Aries forming a square to Saturn and Capricorn during this moon. And the squares between Mars and this Capricorn stellium that we have with Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn all hanging out, holding down the fort in Capricorn. It's been here with us all year long. It's really just going to be highlighting those frustrations that have been coming up for us throughout the year. And we do still have Mars retrograde. Mm. And so we have this mover and shaker Aries energy, but many of us are feeling the frustration of the squares that are adding a layer of challenge Mm. to everything that's been going on for us all year long. And when our actions are limited, we have to get creative with our process of how we take action. Mm. And as the full moon in Aries is illuminating our relationship with ourselves, which is Aries energy, and how we have or have not prioritized our own healing, Mars square Saturn is going to add into the mix the challenge of embracing the detours and the roadblocks that we hit along the way. This is such a crucial time for self-love and for self-compassion. Yeah, I wanted to touch on both of that. 
I love how Julia mentioned us being in this Aries energy that wants to really move quickly through it. But there's a time element that we have to really surrender to and be within. And it just makes me really think about this death card energy being in this chrysalis of creation while you're still in the mucky, icky, yucky, sitting in there really unpacking and having the time to really mourn that as we will be doing in the Ten of Swords energy. And all of that ultimately is for us to be able to have a little bit more compassion with ourselves in the process. And that's totally that three of pentacles energy, like being able to cultivate that for ourselves and bringing in the support and loving witness that we may need in order to help continue that gentle folding process as we eventually churn out our new improved transformed version with the healing and as you mentioned it is spiralic and it's going to look different day to day how we show up in the world how the world affects us and the more that we can have these intelligent boundaries around our mind and what we allow to take space within our mind we're giving ourselves the opportunity to really face the world with an open heart and the ability to take in whatever's coming our way mm. So good. Mm. I really love this full moon in Aries. And I have an affirmation for all of us to consider. If it works for you, use it. If it doesn't, edit it. Make it work for you. Find something that resonates. Loving myself heals my life. Mm. Yes. I want to just add to that energy and think about how loving ourselves includes loving our wounds. My wounds are my greatest teachers. I love them and I treat them with respect. And in tending to them, I bring profound healing to myself, my community, and the world. Mm. Mm. That made me think, my wound is a womb. Mm. Mm, that's yeah. so good. Very potent, fertile empress energy mm-hmm. right there. Definitely. Did it impress you? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yes. Dad jokes till I die. So the next transit that we're going to chat about is Venus entering Virgo. And enjoy it because it's not going to last the whole month. We're going to have Venus move into Libra later on and we'll get to that. My first take on this transit is how can you show your loved ones and yourself that you're paying attention? Mm. What little details have you maybe been missing? Something that happened for me recently that made me realize that sometimes I don't pay the best attention to the little details is that my boyfriend Dave already owned an air purifier when the wildfires were coming down in Portland and the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. So when everybody else was out there like searching for an air purifier, we already had one because he's always cared about our air quality in our Mm -hmm. apartment. So we had pretty clean air, all things considered. And it was one of those things that through him doing that, I was like, wow, I could really stop and just acknowledge the little things that you do that show me that you love me and Mm. that you care for me and you care for us and our health. Mm. Mm. Such a practical act of love. He's a Virgo rising. Yes, he is. (laughs) He also has Venus in Virgo. So this is your transit, Dave. Mm. When I think about Virgo, I think about the daily maintenance that is required to live a connected life. And when I think about Venus, I think about how we're bringing the muse energy to our daily maintenance. So thinking about all the little details of our days, our little rituals, Virgo is the opposite sign of Pisces, right? So Pisces holds all of this profound 
ethereal, magical, um, non-temporal wisdom. And Virgo is actually the container through which all of that wisdom is funneled. Our daily acts, our daily rituals, they are acts of worship. So something as simple as cleaning the bathtub or drinking water or feeding yourself good food. These are actually acts of reverence for the divine. I like to think about that because, God, maintaining a body in 2020 can be really hard. Yeah, for real. That's the truth. <laughs> so bring a little love to it. Let Venus help you. Let her be the muse getting excited about all those little details. And that is such empress energy because you're reclaiming all those tiny little things as you said, as a really a ritual for yourself. And in that ritualization process, not only are you honoring yourself, but you're holding yourself and even the very small aspects of your life in reverence. And that really changes the tone. It also means that you are actively engaging with the environment around you, understanding that your environment and your ability to keep and engage with it is going to affect your ability to maintain harmony within your soul self in your mind while you're moving through this external reality. And I just loved, loved, loved that imagery you had put in with the Pisces being the actual energy behind what the Virgo ends up funneling out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really do work together well. And it's also good to acknowledge some shadows with this transit, mm. not to overthink things, not to nitpick, not to become so analytical or obsess over the fine details to a point that's like a detriment for you. Yeah. And we can call upon the Ten of Swords to help us remember that all thoughts that come through are not always welcome. And it's mm. okay for us to tell certain thoughts that we don't want to harbor, that they need to frankly fuck off. (laughs) Yes. I mean, Virgo is extraordinarily honest with itself, Mm. right? So that honesty can either be looking in the mirror and nitpicking and hating what we're seeing, or looking in the mirror and noticing our tendency to nitpick and being honest with ourselves about the need to change that. Mm, Yeah. And one of my tips that I use for myself when I have a thought come through that I'm not really wanting to keep is that I'll actually shake my head Hmm. to shake it out. So beautiful. Shaking really reminds me of, I recently learned TRE, which is trauma release exercises. I was hearing about this recently. I know nothing. Very cool. (sighs) Well, the basic idea being that when humans or animals or sentient beings experience trauma, our first bodily response is to shake and tremor. Mm -hmm. And that is a natural way of releasing traumatic experiences from the body and that socially we've been conditioned to no longer shake but I love that you intuitively shake your head to kind of reset the energy because like think about your dog well the dog you're going to have someday (laughs) right like after any tense moment if they don't get the treat or that other dog poops where they want to poop they're like (laughs) you know they shake it out yeah these are great tips for Venus in Virgo enjoy it guys because like I said we're going to be moving into Libra with this transit later on in the episode we'll talk about it here soon yeah and even with the the empress too it's a very body card so Mm -hmm. it's like be in your body and you know like shake it out get it out (laughs) somebody who moves their legs a lot i shake shake it out all day long Mm. that's good the world would be a better place if people were shaking it out more often Mm. i think (laughs) maybe we should be shaking it out all the way to the polls (laughs) or vote by mail which is also a great option our next transit is pluto turning direct in Capricorn and we had Pluto go retrograde back in the spring on April 25th. Major themes of this transit are integrating the lessons that we learned in the last handful of months 
to help us embrace the transformation that we're continually going through. Mm. I like to think of whatever Pluto touches, it changes. Mm. And I really think of God or the universe as just the principle of constant change. Mm. And so whatever Pluto has touched in your life over these last months has been changed. And now that we are integrating that change and moving forward, something I like to keep close to my heart is change can be scary, walking into the unknown, but that if change is coming, you are ready. Mm. And that's it. You're ready. Or else the cosmos wouldn't be moving forward. So Pluto turning direct to me means this invitation cosmically to say, you're ready. The change has been complete. It's time to move forward. Here we go. I love that. It's very much the world energy meeting with the death energy. As you had mentioned, we're always shifting and changing. And when we allow ourselves the time to really recognize the fact that if we are doing our soul work, if we are growing as individuals, we are constantly going to be faced with this meeting of the unknown, with this constant unease as we fold over to these larger forces that are coming through. That's part of doing the work. And if you're pretty comfortable where you're at, well, then you're probably stagnant in some way. So I think it's a really mm. beautiful way to like remind yourself, too, when you're feeling like you're going crazy in the midst <laughs> of all of it, because uh, you're not alone. You're just doing your work. And Pluto being the excavator of all this past generational trauma and hurt and wounding, you're doing it on a molecular level. You're turning those shadows into your gifts. And that's not an easy transmutation, but it's very necessary in order for us to really release ourselves from the chains of our past. Mm, yes. And Pluto and Capricorn specifically makes me think about the death of the patriarchy and the death of tradition. So Ooh. the ways that we that tradition can be harmful and we hold on to tradition often out of fear. Fear to me is a bedfellow of death. Mm. Right. So sometimes, oftentimes, Aquarius speaking here, things need to change. We need to be on the right side of history. We need to allow for something to crumble. And Pluto does that crumbling. We're seeing a crumbling of our formative structures here in this country and that includes government and systems. So as this external transformation is happening, the internal transformation is happening as well. We are all moving towards a new paradigm. Yeah. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. And I'm feeling like you need to vote in November. It's a song about voting in November. I know. I keep saying it. It's like it's really important, guys. Because it is. The next transit we have is Mercury Retrograde. In Scorpio. Okay, so the last time Mercury was retrograde was in Cancer from June 17th to July 12th. The earlier Mercury retrograde was February 16th to March 9th in both Aquarius and Pisces. So Mercury retrograde, everyone's afraid of it. Everyone <laughs> is worried that their bus is going to be late. I like to think about Mercury the ruler of our mind and our thoughts and basically every single thing that we receive in a visual or mental way, the ways that we translate that into thoughts, words, ideas, that is Mercury at work. And so when it's retrograde, it's really going down to the depths of the 
shadow world, the internal world, the psyche, and it is now in the world of images and feelings, especially in Scorpio. So my affirmation for Mercury retrograde in Scorpio is I desire to know all of myself. Um, And can we surrender to Mercury as the guide through this darker, more hidden, more mysterious aspects of our mind, which includes our shame, trauma, experiences of abuse, the ways that we talk to ourselves, the thoughts and feelings that we shove into the corner. To me, all of those things are such important parts of life because in entering into them, we release enormous power. And that's what Scorpio really is about to me, is reclaiming our power. So this is reclaiming our mental power, looking at mental patterns that take away our power. How will feeling something rather than hiding from it give me back my power? I love the Mercury retrograde. I've learned to love, I guess. The Mercury retrograde is a better way to put that. And we also had a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio last year. Yeah. And I know we all didn't forget that. It was deep. It was dark. I cried too. (laughs) There's a lot of tears. But the thing about crying is that when you do it, it's because you needed to do it. Mm. So I think that that'll be my first tip for Mercury retrograde and Scorpios. If you need to cry, don't hold it in. Yeah. Just let yourself cry. Never hold it in. Yeah. You got to cry. It washes your soul clean. Mm. It's liquid love pouring from the root, literally, to water the root. And it's funny that you had mentioned that about the retrograde energy kind of being these images and just the sensory stuff that's coming in. If Mm -hmm. you really think about it, all of intuition is really like that. And what makes you a good channel is being able to really connect into that like animal, also that like spiritual like space of that imagery and being able to translate that into word. When I heard you say and speak on that, it made me really think about energy being in these lower aspects, in these Mm. lower chakras where a lot of those traumas and pains and regressive things are being held within our body. And it's like we're getting a chance to be able to tap into those channels and sit with them for a little bit. Mm. And in that process, how do we hold ourselves? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of people on this planet that do that work, right? And so that's where I think true power comes is not power over someone else, but power with other people when we are acknowledging our pain, acknowledging our shared trauma, and collectively, mutually becoming intimate with one another's pain and trauma. That's intimacy, baby. Mm. That's hot. Yeah, that's hot. Into me, I see. Wow. I used to think intimacy was like really good sex, where everyone was having just the the best most idyllic time and now i realize it's like me sobbing (laughs) snotty face Mm -hmm. like revealing that i feel really insecure and someone i love being like yes i see you i love you Mm. that to me is intimacy i see you and i love all of you yes there we go i desire to love all of myself so can you let love in Mm. can you let the love in and you have to start with self and we can pull on what we learned, what we gained, what we released on that Aries full moon on the 1st of October, we can think back to then to really get ourselves settled into the gift that awaits us at the end of this transit. In the Mercury retrograde period, I know there's a lot of like, oh my God, it's so scary, whatever, everything's going to break down. It doesn't last that long. It's three weeks. Totally. It's going to be over on election day, which is a little weird. (laughs) Get those ballots in, guys. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't last that long. So really, it's this deep dive into how we are informing ourselves. How are we receiving information? What information are we holding on to? If you're going to bed at night and you're allowing all the negative thoughts to go through your mind and just like poison your dreams so you wake up without energy, not feeling good, not feeling Mm -hmm. empowered, like maybe you should try meditations at night. You know, maybe you can make a change in this three-week period that could have a profound change on your entire life. And it's Scorpio, baby. We're here to transform. Mm. We're here to let go. We're here to let dead things die. We're here to regenerate through the reclamation of our, really our physical bodies and what it's gone through in this experience we call life. We're this massive soul that's squeezed down into a meat suit experiencing all of these things. It's like, how often do we check in with that to see where we really are? Mm. Shake your meat suit. Shake it, shake it. (laughs) (laughs) the next transit that we've got is our second big moon action which is the libra new moon on friday the 16th of october this new moon is all about balance of course because it's got that light that librarian that libra librarian is the plural of libra librarian what is happening we are all librarians (laughs) any libra moons required by astral law to be a librarian so go to the library and that's the best thing you can do on this new moon i'm just kidding guys so on this new moon we do have the sun and moon of course they're conjunct right so they're together because it's a new moon in libra opposing mars retrograde in aries The tension of advocating for your balance in your life. What's truly good for you is truly good for other people. I had a realization this summer, earlier in the summer, before like pre-wildfires, that I was no longer going to go on hikes that didn't have enough shade. Like Mm. when I went on a hike that had next to no shade, I was fucking miserable And the reality about that experience for me is that when I was miserable, even if I was trying so hard to be upbeat in a good mood, Mm -hmm. my energy was killing people. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like downing the vibe. Then we're all suddenly kind of miserable. And it's like me trying to fake it till I make it. And I can't quite make it because I'm like two miles into this five mile hike and it's hotter than hell. So I decided that I was only going to say yes to going on hikes that were feeling in balance for me. Mm -hmm. And that's been a huge shift. Mm. So I think things like that on this new moon, identifying what is feeling balanced for you and being willing to sit with that before you go to take action on it, right? Because Mars is still retrograde. We're not supposed to act as soon as we have the thought, (laughs) as soon as we have the idea. We're supposed to sit with it until we can really figure out, is this balance being influenced by anything? Mm. Or is it really feeling balanced for me? Mm, yes I love that I am a Libra moon so I will speak from my Libra heart Libra although we are known as the archetype of balance and peacekeeping and harmony it's an air sign that actually often experiences quite a bit of anxiety and tension Um, because and this is Stephen Forrest an astrologer that I love he says Libra is making a peace treaty with chaos So understanding that the chaos of the universe, all of these unknowns, is always going to be happening and that Libra's job is actually to constantly come back to center, constantly come back into balance by doing all of these little minute adjustments. And because it is the sign of relationships 
and it is opposite this Mars retrograde in Aries, there is this sense to me in this new moon that the Libra wants to hold the peace and the harmony, and yet there are always going to be needs that arise, right? And when those needs arise, often how they might materialize for a Libra moon would be a feeling of discomfort or aggression. Libra can have a challenging time naming its needs head on, maybe wants to people please. That's the more shadow side of Libra. When it's really imbalanced, it's able to look someone in the eye and say exactly what Carrie just said, which is, we are on the same team. So forging an energy of same teamness in our partnerships and friendships is really helpful for me. Rather than thinking of people as our opponents, rather than thinking about our partners as someone who is out to get us or their behavior is trying to harm us, thinking about how we can negotiate and use our skills and capacity to bring harmony to all different situations and understanding that sometimes the road to peace is through conflict. So we have to understand conflict in a more balanced way. And if we devote ourselves to understanding conflict in a more balanced way, we can then engage in not cancel culture, not dismissing, not appeasing someone who is hurting us or who is not meeting our needs, but instead facing one another, harmonizing and working with one another. So really deeply listening to when you feel aggression or anger arise in you, it's typically an unmet need. We call resentment an unmet need. So being able to voice that, this is a new template for you to voice that in a way that is balanced. Lovely. Yeah, everything about that. So good. Yeah, we have a society that thinks that if you're looking for an end to a situation, that it has to be a win-lose. And we can actually cultivate win-wins through compromise. And we can change our mindsets around what a win-win situation looks like when we start celebrating individual wins as collective wins. Mm. Yes. Snaps. And we also have a grand earth trine happening with this new moon in Libra that is really bringing this energy of grounding that we need to get grounded. Mm. And new moons are all about planting that big seed, right? What do you want to go plant that is going to have the harvest of bringing more balance into your life. Where is that balance lacking? And an affirmation that I have for the new moon in Libra, I have a couple. When I am present, I feel grounded. I lean into what feels good. And considering the big picture helps me identify what is and what isn't feeling balanced. Mm, I love that. I would maybe add, the world is on my team. Mm. The world is on your team. When I think of the Libra energy as well, it just reminds me of Libra having this almost like an innate awareness between like the themes of very small micro cosmic energies and their connection to the macrocosmic and kind of the balances and imbalance in between those two worlds. And that is really how we get to in that same spirit of camaraderie to be able to support others within their process. As you had mentioned, instead of avoiding the conflict, you're able to bring it to the table so you could find resolute. That doesn't mean that somebody's right or wrong. It's just we are where we are. Mm. Lovely. The next transit that we have on our radar is on Thursday, the 22nd of October. The sun is going to enter Scorpio. Welcome Scorpio season. We are here. 
The powerful archetypes of the scorpion, the eagle, and the phoenix have arrived to provide soulful guidance, and we're all in for one of the most profound Scorpio seasons ever with the 2020 election on the horizon. Julia, what's your take on Scorpio season? Mm, Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that in medical astrology, Scorpio rules the sexual organs. And so because Scorpio is the archetype of death and sexuality, how can we think about death and surrender as an act of pleasure? Ooh, Like, how can it be actually pleasurable to let go, to surrender, to give in, to allow ourselves to be changed? Like, that is a very erotic experience, right? Mm. Yeah. And so... That's a fun way to think about Scorpio. And we talked about Mercury retrograde earlier in Scorpio. And something that is really true for me in Scorpio is that when a shadow part of us arises, we have the opportunity to greet it as a new part of ourselves. Because Scorpio is a sign of rebirth, we always talk about death. And I think we leave out rebirth often. Mm. And so... Scorpio season's not just what's dying, it's also what is being renewed. So as something rises in you that is hard, challenging, big, enormous feelings, you can think about it both as this is new to me and what is my relationship to it now? Would I like it to stay? Do I want to transform it? And of course, it's not always up to us. Yeah. There's larger forces at play here, folks. It's true. I love that. I think people don't focus on that rebirth element as much. And when you pair with the world and the death card, that is definitely an invitation to rebirth. And you, when you're rebirthing, you don't want to be holding on to any of those feelings of regret, mm-hmm. remorse, of like anger over the resistance that you had to the change as it was coming. Whether a situation fell apart for you and maybe it didn't turn out the way that you wanted to, how could we surrender that up and really love it, like love it so that we transmute that and create the space for something new to come in without us being tethered to the past, to those emotions of the past, to trying to keep it to what it once was and fully stepping into that, activating that energy of the adept being able to really call into the divine to step in and create it, giving you that rush of images, a psychic energy that's going to come in and tell you, hey, I got you. Beautiful. Mm. I also like to think of death as something that's successful. Often in our culture, we think about death as a failure, especially in our medical industry. You know, doctors are trained to think about death as something that they didn't succeed in keeping the patient alive. And I think death is one of the most incredible, profound transformations we can go through that we will all go through. It's a shared collective fate. And so thinking about when something dies in your life, and I don't necessarily mean a person, which can be deeply sad and traumatic. I mean when a moment dies, when a partnership ends, when something in your life is dying and moving on, how can you ruminate and reflect on the success of it? Ooh, yeah, we are all here to die Mm -hmm. at some point. It's the inevitable thing that you're like, oh, I have nothing in common with this person. Yes, you do, because you're both going to die someday. (laughs) Totally. That's a dark thought, but it's a very accurate thought. And it's not something that we need to fear. We only fear death because there's the aftermath. But the aftermath has the potential to be beautiful. I mean, look at the notorious RBG. She has passed on, but what did she leave us? A massive legacy. 
What will the ripple effects of her death look like? Activating people to go vote because it really fucking matters. Because that vote is going to replace her on the court. Because that vote is going to cement what the future looks like for decades. Very Scorpio. And I know it's silly to say, but when I look at that world card being the last card in the Major Arcana, it looks like, hey, I just won. Like, da, 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 da. She's like dancing in <laughs> yeah. the middle of the card. I love that. I can't get over it ever. It's like you're walking through that final doorway. Well, here is the end of your book, man. That was a highlight. Like, hell yeah. Your story is done. You're leaving your legacy. You're ready to move on to the next big thing. Mm-hmm. And what's bigger than being massive, expansive source? Yes. Nothing. Nothing is bigger. Mm-mm. Our next transit is... Mercury and Venus are both going to enter Libra on the same day. And my first thought with this transit is, what's your love language? Mm. You know, the five love languages are words of affirmation, gift giving, quality time, acts of service, and physical touch. So thinking about which one of those is most important to you. Of course, they're all important, but which one of those do you need most? And also getting to know the people in your life like which one is most important to them how can you prioritize that for them you know for me it's physical touch so I'm like I'm gonna need a back rub you know Mm -hmm. like that's always my ask is like I want a back rub or I want a hug I have now been advocating for 15 to 20 second hugs because I read an article about that saying that we actually need longer hugs Mm. and I know with all this like social distancing and coronavirus like a lot of us are like connection starved physically Mm -hmm. in a way that we've never been so much. So if you have an opportunity to hug someone, you should fucking take it. Mm. You should make it happen. Even if it's number five for you. Right. So getting to know what your love languages are and learning how to advocate for them, learning how to communicate them too. Right. Because this is Mercury with Venus together entering Libra is like what's balanced about the way that you love me and the way that I love myself. I mean, we can also talk about loving yourself with physical touch. Mm. It's Scorpio season now. (laughs) Go all the way. There's nothing wrong with it. Safe hugs and safe sex. Ah, A vibe. (laughs) I also think about with these two creatures, Mercury and Venus entering Libra, it's the 27th of October. So it's right before the election. We already are experiencing deeply polarized two sides of this country. I mean, there are multiple parts, right? It's not binary. But Libra does weigh in the scales, so it holds the left and the right. And what we need to do with the Libra energy is to start to integrate them, to bring them together. Again, Libra's an air sign. It communicates, it talks, it unites rather than divides. So while it can be really, really tempting for those of us that lean very radically left... To isolate those on the right, Libra does find the center point of humanity between us and starts to communicate about our needs, remembering that all the way back to that full moon in Aries, we came back into contact with the self. What do I need? What do I need for my healing? Libra is now holding that, but for the collective. And their needs are human needs, right? And so we were all hoping for the collective advancement of humanity. And understanding that, voting in a direction that's going to get us towards that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
my point being that even if there are people in your life who are not voting in that direction, we need to start having conversations about that. We need to start really digging into a deeper communication and balance between these, this polarization we're experiencing. I think that we often tend to agree on the what and we disagree on the how. Mm. And when you engage someone in a conversation, you can get to the why. Mm. Why are you so certain that you need to vote this way? If you never step up and have the courage to ask why and hear something that you don't like or don't agree with, then you're shutting down a communication channel that has more opportunity than you'll ever know about because mm. you've shut it down. Mm. We have to be willing to approach intersections that are uncomfortable. Mm. That is what politics is. That is what voting is. It's being a part of the conversation, even if the conversation is hard mm -hmm. or scary. Especially when it's hard or scary, I'd argue, because that's where there's some growth located in the hard conversations. Yeah, and that's where lives are at stake, you know, where it's really uncomfortable, especially for people who hold a considerable amount of privilege to talk about what's scary means that typically that is an area where there is an incredible amount at stake for people. Yeah, absolutely. So our next transit, which is also our final transit for this episode, is really a big one. I mean, this is a big fucking deal. Saturday, the 31st of October. Many of us know this as Halloween. Some folks celebrate Samhain. Other folks celebrate the Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, which is, I believe, more than just the one day. Yeah, Dia de los Muertos is a three-day holiday. It actually goes on for a week when you're actually in Mexico. And if you haven't been there, it is amazing. It's the day that we celebrate our ancestors and mm. the people that we love. That's so cool. So this is also going to be known as a blue moon. This is our Taurus full blue moon. And a blue moon is when two full moons appear in the same calendar month. So that is on the 1st, we had the full moon in Aries. And now on the 31st, we have this Taurus full moon as well. So there's some special magic to that. And they say that the veil is especially thin during this time period. And with this full moon, it's really never been a better time to connect with your ancestors and folks on the other side of the veil. Mm. This full moon is in Taurus conjunct Uranus in Taurus. This is going to open up an epic channel of change. And with the grounded bull energy present, we're likely to be focused on our resources. We also have Mercury retrograde in Libra forming a square to Saturn. And his friend Jupiter and Pluto are also present there in Capricorn, of course, feeling that square as well, which will ask of us, can you be disciplined with your speech? Can you speak only the words, advice or opinions that matter? Can you be the gatekeeper of your own potentially loose lips? Mm. Can you be willing to speak up on the things that need to change with this Uranus energy as well? Yes, I call Uranus the radical awakener, mm. the liberator. And I think about Taurus energy as the body. So like you said, this incredibly awakening channel that comes alive through our body and reconnects us to body, land, resources, and asks us to surrender to that physical intelligence 
finding true security in our bodies is an act of awakening, right? Especially living under capitalism, especially living under economic systems that ask us to move at a pace that is not natural for our rhythms. This is an awakening to come back to the intelligence of your own physicality and to the wisdom of nature. And when I think about that square to Saturn and Capricorn again, I think about Saturn as the ability to come back into alignment with our integrity for the long term, which to me represents sustainability. So this is an incredible moon. I mean, we're so lucky to have it. We need the ancestors more than ever. And can we really feel in our bodies, feel through our bodies, the ancestors' prayer for us to listen to them, to listen through our bodies as this template for forward motion and evolution? And can we think about the ways that resources and money have been something that we've held onto for comfort, that we've hoarded, that we've become into this relationship of greed often as humans and how like I said at the beginning this new template is to find security in the body in the land so that all bodies have an opportunity to awaken to everything that they need everything that we need is here on this planet right indigenous wisdom tells us that so really tuning in deeply to our body's wisdom and listening to its rhythms this feels like the gift of this moon for me wow Wow. What you said about ancestors, too, is so, so powerful. You know, like, how can we learn from their mistakes? Mm. You know, 2020 is the hundredth anniversary of women's rights to vote. Mm. What a powerful time to go cast a vote, especially as a woman Mm. in this election that is so, so big. Mm -hmm. Your ancestors, some of them couldn't vote. Many of them, honestly. Didn't have the privilege to. Mm hmm. And we are rewriting those stories. We are rewriting history. We are changing and shifting and transforming it. Scorpio season, like we are in it. Mm-hmm. So be in it. Yeah, we're walking through the threshold and setting this new path forward. And that's very much the three of wands. Mm. It's us embarking on this new journey, like taking those ancestors, understanding their wisdom, their knowledge, and their shortcomings as well and how we are in such a privileged state to be able to do the work for them and to be the potential ancestors of people that will be descendants from us. And that gives us a beautiful place in the really mythology of ourselves. Mm. Another thing that I think about with Taurus is that it has a relationship to values As I spoke about money, this is just really coming up pretty clear for me right now. Uranus is is this awakening force in our relationship to money. Mm. And I'm thinking about this in more of a collective space of this awakening to reparations, to what that means. Taurus is ruled by Venus, which brings pleasure. So how can the act of giving, the act of giving reparations, be pleasurable, be an experience of revolution, be an experience of liberation for Mm. everyone. It's not charity. It's not a handout. It is really reallocating resources and funds so that, as I said before, all bodies can feel this sense of safety and security on this planet. So this to me feels like, wow, there is this potential for mass awakening around our relationship to funds, resources, money. What does that look like for you personally in your life? Mm. 
Did you guys hear about that billionaire? His name was Chuck Feeney. He gave away his entire $8 billion fortune. Wow. Yeah. And I believe that he saved like a million dollars or something for him and his wife to live off of. And he spent his entire life like that has been his life's work is to give away this abundance, this overabundance, because these people who are hoarding money, it cannot be spent Mm. in a lifetime by one person. It's impossible. And so many people are walking this planet with blocks to receiving, which is Empress energy. Mm. Why are you blocked? Because you're not giving. Mm. By giving, you open the channel for receiving. We have to give in order to receive. Or when we receive, it feels counterfeit. Mm. It feels fake. It doesn't have to feel that way. Mm -hmm. We can give to get. We have to give to get. Or what you're getting is going to be hollow. Do you want to keep getting hollow shit? What can you give? You know? And I think about that too with the holidays coming up. Those hollow days. Those hollow days. Wow. <laughs> that is the pun I needed, honestly. Abolish billionaires. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> it's not natural. It's like it's you not. said. It's not natural. We, we can Taurus brings us back to the natural world. You know, we look to the earth and its ecology to understand what is natural and everything is in balance in the earth it's not natural to have like an orange grove where there are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of trees we have created that yeah right i mean it makes me think of just that makes it so susceptible to other things too like think if you have these massive orchards they're susceptible to disease look Mm -hmm. at us wiping out like bananas because we decided to just grow this really pretty banana that is now becoming extinct. Yeah, we have to be willing to question the status quo, which is probably the most Aquarian thing I could say in the presence of two awesome, badass Aquariuses. Mm, very but it's Iranian. true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have to be the change makers. We can't sit around and wait for change to be made. We have to be in it. The shakers, the change makers. Shake, 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 shake. Yeah, this whole episode has been encouraging you to shake it out. (laughs) Shake it out. And that wraps us up, guys, for this episode of the October Transits and Tarot. I'm so endlessly grateful, Uni. We've been doing this for a year now together. It's epic. Mm. And Julia, I could not be more stoked to have your presence here, your magic. So many amazing things came through your channel for our listeners we are also lucky. Yeah, mm. I'm pretty blown away. I'm like, wow, you're so articulate. I love it. Wow, thank you. It's <laughs> such an honor to be here. And I just was so excited to sit down with both of you and be in this special vortex. Mm, co-collaboration. Mm-hmm. Aquarian Always. as hell. Aquarian as hell. Aquarian as hell. And Aquarian that- as hell. Sorry. Aquarian. <laughs> Aquarian. It's so true. I love it. <laughs> That's it for us for this episode. If you want to connect with Julia, I highly recommend you find her on Instagram at thejbray. And Uni has a new page on Instagram as well. He's been doing those tarot videos, which are so cool. It'll give you more information on the cards that we pulled for this month as well. And his page is at Aquarian underscore Sage. And of course, you can always connect with me at SoulfulOfIt on Instagram with one L. I know there's another account with two L's. I don't know them, but I bet they're great people. <laughs> With a name like that. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> so that's it. That's all that we've got. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for rating and reviewing. We really appreciate it. We're one year strong now and no end in sight. 
We really love you guys. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful month. Enjoy it. Choose.